God is good. And all the time. Hey, hey, good to have you here. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Tuesday afternoon Bible study. It is good to see each and every one of you. I don't know what happened, but usually this side has more people than this side, and we're switched a little today. I'm going to have to lean a little bit more over here today than over there. Oh, there you go. <laughs> and if you're joining us online, welcome to all of you. We are blessed to have you with us. Uh, snacks, you never know what kind of snacks we're going to get. Sometimes we get cookies or cake or uh, sugary things. Sometimes we get uh, uh, more protein. Today is peanuts and beef jerky. I saw beef jerky up there. I'm a sucker for beef jerky, but now I'm scared that I'll be in the camera and I'll have a piece of pepper right here. Uh, I'll say, yeah, I'll say, yeah, that's what I said. I, I love my wife, but the, the, the whole reason we stay together is so after meals we could smile at each other. Am I okay? Am I okay? Yeah, all right. Uh, that's that's uh, <laughs> the, the one great thing about marriage is that, yeah. Uh, <laughs> there might be a couple more things, but that's, uh, that's one tangible one. Well, let's pray. God above, we pray that today we are not bored. And we don't sleep through the study. Too many people sleep through life without checking their heart, without checking what they read, without checking what they put inside. Uh, so, Lord, just, just keep us awake. Awake of what's going on in the world. Awake what's going on with our soul. Awake with what's going on in our community of faith. For it's in your Son's name that we live, we pray, we celebrate. And we, uh, we support each other. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. First Corinthians, we are on chapter 3 today. You might notice it's also on the shorter side uh, from what we have had in the past. Um, this, is, this is where Paul starts to get into the meat of his, of his letter. Usually when he writes, it is not because uh, of the reasons we write letters. Why do, why do we write letters to each other? For those of us who write letters nowadays, you write letters to stay in touch. News, what's going on? Thank yous. I, gotta teach, I teach my kids the importance of thank you cards. Dad, I just sent a text. Like, no, Grandma wants a thank you card. You have to send a thank you card. Uh, news, thank yous, pictures. Uh, we are here, wish you were beautiful. Uh, probably said that wrong. <laughs> yeah. Uh, when Paul writes a letter, it is not, hey, what's going on in Corinth? It is, it is usually for uh, either, it's, it's for affirmation and it's for teaching. Uh, I hear this is what's going on and I want to I put in my two cents uh, into, into uh, the life of the church. And so this is where he gets kind of into the meat of what's going on in the Corinthian church. You might remember last week where it said, I, I, I heard, so long story short, someone tattled what's going on. He was, he's over in Ephesus, uh, you know, half, half country away. And someone had business dealings in Ephesus uh, who was from Corinth, and they went over and said, did you hear what's going on in Corinth? And now Paul is writing, this is what I heard, uh, what's going on in Corinth. So let's, let's jump into it. We're going to take two paragraphs out of this because they kind of go together here. Let's do verses 1 through 9. The church and its leaders. 
Brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ. I give you milk, not solid food, for you are not ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. You are still worldly, for since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, you are not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? For when one says, I follow Paul, another, I follow Apollos, are you not mere human beings? What, after all, is Apollos? And what is Paul? Only servants, though, whom you came to believe, as the Lord has assigned to each his task. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they shall each be rewarded according to their own labor. For we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's fields, God's building. Brothers and sisters, it's a good, good way to open up this line. Uh, he, he considers everyone his brother and sister. We are not the kind of church that calls each other uh, Brother Dean, uh, Sister Val, we we don't do that. Uh, did it, has anyone ever been a part of a church that has that kind of language with each other? Did you did you always like that's that's and that's that's what you did? A lot of Baptists do that. Yep, uh, brothers and sisters. Uh, he they are part of the family of God. He calls them brothers and sisters, uh, though they have this although they have the Holy Spirit. They are acting um, worldly. Maybe some other Bibles say in the flesh. Maybe some other Bibles say carnal. Uh, but uh, NIV here says, says worldly. Uh, like immature Christian, they are babes in Christ. Uh, there's, there has been debate as whether there can be such a thing as a carnal Christian. Some say it's a contradiction in terms. Um, that Paul really says that they, uh, you, know, you know, you're still acting worldly, you're not acting Christian at all, and yet he calls them brethren and uh, says that they are babes in Christ. I was reminded of a, of a line out of 1 Peter. I had, to, I had to look it up. I couldn't remember exactly where it was. 1 Peter chapter 2, I, I, I uh, love this, this uh, verse. Like newborn infants, and this is Peter, like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up to salvation. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. So both Paul and Peter are using milk as a, as a metaphor for we are all growing in Christ. Uh, babes get milk, and yet they are part of the family, are they not? Yeah, part of the family. Uh, someone asked a while back why we baptize infants. Uh, Infants can't say whether they want to be Christian or not. Why do we baptize them? It's like, well, they're still part of the family. Even though they, they, they don't exactly know what's going on, someday they will. And they'll confirm it someday at their confirmation, which is why we call it that. Uh, we let babies take part in, uh, in weddings and in funerals and in Thanksgiving dinner. Uh, got a little kid... A little kid in our family, uh, extended family, that uh, is just excited about Thanksgiving. 
He thinks there's presents, but we had to say, it's just food. It's just food. Oh. But we still let him participate in Thanksgiving, even if he doesn't know what it means. Uh, Paul's saying, you know, you don't have to know everything to be a person of faith. Matter of fact, there's not a single person of faith that's human that knows everything already. We are all still learning. Even your pastor is still learning and trying to grow in godliness and, and all of that. Uh, Paul, I cannot speak to you as spiritual people, but as worldly people. Um, the word, the word he's, he's using here is uh, sarkikos. Sarkikos, a Greek word. Uh, it just means you are of the flesh. Uh, one who thinks more about the world stuff than who thinks about um, spiritual stuff. I fed you milk. Paul keeps teaching on the basics. Uh, even though these people had an inflated view of their own spirituality. Um, they believed they were ready for the deeper things, if I remember right from uh, the previous chapter, but were not living any deeper than the basic things he's already preached to them. I'm trying to think of spiritual junk food. That's, that's why I'm pausing here. Some people live by spiritual junk food. They live by memes, and they live by uh, catchy little sayings. Um, but the means of grace that God has is read the word, prayer, generosity, caring for the sick, caring for the poor. Those are the, those are the deeper things. Uh, sometimes people come in like, Pastor, how can I be more spiritual? And like, do you tithe? They're like, nope. Like, that's, that's a good one. Uh, do, you care for the, do you care for the sick? Nope. That's a good one. Do you, do you care about the homeless? Uh, I, I love it when I go to a church meeting, like, we need to care for the homeless. Does anybody know anyone? <laughs> They're out there. They're out there. Uh, but how can we, how could we be the hands and, 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 and face of Christ to the people around us? Pastor Mike, why don't you preach about sin? You need to preach more about sin. Great. Which sins are you working on? Oh, don't preach about my sin. I'm talking about other people's sin. Well, why do you want me to preach about other people's sin? They're not here. Let me talk about... <laughs> it, it, I do get that every now and then. Like, you need to, you need to preach on this, this subject, this topic. Like, does our church have a problem with that? Like, our, is, is this a turmoil in our church? No, but it's just, it just solidifies me and it makes me feel better. <laughs> like, then, uh, all right. uh, what's the problem that you're dealing with? And I'll talk about it. It has no bearing on the adultery sermon you had on Sunday, by the way. That's, I, <laughs> uh, yeah, where there, there's envy, strife, and division. That's, that's what Paul's going after here. Your church is full of envy, strife, and division. And that's not the way church should be. It's not the way family should be. And you are the family, family of Christ here. Uh, when one says, I, am, I, I prefer this pastor, are you not worldly? When I, I like this one, are you not worldly? These are people who, who, who preach about Christ. You might, you might have your favorite preacher, you might have your favorite style, but Jesus has to be in there somewhere or you're missing, missing the boat, right? If your preacher doesn't talk about Jesus every now and then, preacher's missing the boat. Um, Paul and Apollos, you don't believe in them, you believe in Christ, they're the, just the messengers for, for salvation. I planted, Apollos watered. Christian workers, you can have a different job. 
you can have a different ministry than the person sitting next to you. What is your ministry? What is it that God has put you on this planet to do? Let me give you a hint. If it's something that you enjoy and it's a way that you can serve, that, 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 is, that is a ministry that you can provide. I always got freaked out when, when I always thought that ministry was something, all right, this is going to be something that I'm going to hate, but I'm doing it for the Lord. God didn't call you to something that you hate. You have talents. Use them. Some of you love kids. Be with the kids. Some of you hate kids. Don't be with the kids. But the Lord has told me I need to teach Sunday school. They're, you're not going to enjoy it. They're not going to enjoy it. Some of you love committee work. Some of you would rather have a root canal than go to a Tuesday night meeting. If you love committee work, be on the committee. If some of you love working with the homeless, do that. Uh, I remember being in seminary, and I was, uh, I was working, working in Nebraska, going to seminary in Missouri, and I drove back and forth every week. Uh, but the, the, the plan was for me to go into the ministry with farmers, because that's, that's 90% of Nebraska, farmers. And I was inner city, Kansas City, going to seminary, and uh, this gal sitting next to me uh, who was working inner city, Kansas City, and said, one of these days, you need to do real ministry. Whoa. Yeah. I said, I am doing real ministry. You're just, you're just playing with people who shuck corn. I'm dealing with people who are dealing with, you know, going through, they're going through. I said, I, tell you what, I'll trade you a, a week. You do, you do a week of my stuff up there, and I'll, and, and, and I'll do uh, a week of what you're doing. She goes, I would have no idea what to do up there. Like, that's why we have different gifts, different graces. Uh, so don't feel guilty if you're not called uh, to something uh, that you don't really want to do. Now, if you just want to sit on the couch all day and do nothing, all right, then that's a different conversation. Uh, the, the Lord does not have a calling for, for laziness. <laughs> Uh, but if there's something that, t what makes you mad? What makes you sad? What breaks your heart? That's the ministry to go do, because that gets you up in the morning. Does that make sense? All right. I watered, Apollos planted, vice versa. Uh, you know, when a farmer plants a seed and waters it, he does not really make it grow. It's the miracle of life that does that. All the farmer can do is provide the right environment for growth and, and just trust in the miracle of life. And we do the same thing when we serve. Uh, some people get frustrated when they want to hear, when they, when they want to water when God has called them to plant or when they want to plant when God has called them to water. Um, or other people want the, want, the, want the praise and some people want to stay behind the scenes. Um, but somewhere in there, there's a, there's a desire to serve. And the Corinthian desire is, um, is division. And we don't want to do that. Uh, each will receive their own reward. There's, here's one question I got for you. Uh, the one who plants and the one who waters have one person. They will be each rewarded according to their own labor. As I read this, the danger becomes... Are there levels to heaven? 
Like if you do, if you do just good enough, you get this layer of heaven. But if you do really, really well, there's this layer of heaven. And if you're a saint, you get the nice big house in heaven. In my father's house, there are many rooms. And is your room nicer because you did better stuff? Are there layers to... Dante had seven layers of hell. Can there be layers of heaven? I think that's, that, that's, that's a question. No levels. No levels? Are, are we good with that? No levels? Yeah. Faye and I decided there's no levels because heaven in itself is your reward. So, and if the Bible says that you, no man can work their way there lest they boast, why would there be levels? Exactly. Yep. Okay. So, that's what we thought. Okay. <laughs> and levels would cause division. That's what happens down here. Division. And I don't think that the Lord would like that or promote that. Yep. No levels. Uh, the, the, at, the, at the foot of the cross, it's not on a hill. It's where we're all, we all have equal access and we all have uh, equal, equal reward. Uh, all right. Uh, let's do verses 10 through 15, that next paragraph. By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to the light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even though only as one escaping through the flames. Perfect. And again, he opens up with the word of grace. By the grace God has given me. Uh, describing Paul's work among the Corinthians, he begins with the declaration of, of love. Um, he knew that his status as a worker in God's field or God's building was based on God's undeserved favor. That's what grace is. Uh, love when we don't deserve it. Um, gifts, when, uh, a gift, it's a gift of grace. It's an exalted thing to be a fellow worker with God. God does not choose exalted people to do his work. He usually call, uh, calls on average, ordinary people. Uh, God doesn't have how to, okay, I'll go back to, uh, to a pithy statement here that's uh, probably junk food for Christians. God does not call the equipped. He equips the called. Moses couldn't speak worth nothing and was called to stand before Pharaoh. Uh, J Jonah didn't want to save the people of Nineveh. Um, and, and God, yeah, swallowed him up with fish and spit him out and said, get going. Uh, you, you, you have what you need. It's a, it's a strange, strange thing, this, uh, the word that we, uh, what is your calling? What's your call? A lot of times we say this for pastors. What was your calling in the ministry? Uh, I met someone at a wedding three days ago who was going into the ministry, and that's the question he said. What was, how did you hear God's call? I didn't hear it like, like that. Uh, but just, you know, just the tugging on the heart. This is, I love serving. This is what we do. 
Um, how did God call you into the ministry that you have? In the Methodist Church, we are all ministers. Uh, you, you have a job. You have a task. You have, you have an ample way of an ample, ample way of serving. Um, how, how are you called? Uh, some of us are called to uh, professional ministry. And uh, about once a year, I need to make a pitch to the church to, to say, if anyone feels called to that kind of ministry, let's, let's get together and see, see how that works. Um, every minister that we have uh, has come out of the local church. And uh, about once a year, I need to say, is anyone feeling called uh, to, be a, to be a preacher, to be a um, person who gets to stand up front and, 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 and try to figure this out for the church? I saw Pastor Jen here earlier. I think she just is. Oh, there's Jen. Jen, how did you feel called? I'm going to put you on the spot. Jen did not know I was going to be asking this today. This gives me a chance to eat my beef jerky. Uh, how did you feel? And did, did, did the calling freak you out, or how did you, how did you discern that? I was probably my son's age when I felt called. And uh, I had an opportunity, uh, opportunity to serve in North Carolina. And so I went to North Carolina, and I worked for a camp that summer. And we provided home repair for low-income families and just an area that needed a lot, of, a lot of help. So we had youth groups come in every week from across the country. And um, that summer helped me resolve the decision to get a degree in social work. So when I went home after that summer, that's when I identified my major. And so it eventually kind of called me into the social work field, which I had many opportunities to serve over the years. And about five years ago, I felt restless. I felt like I had done everything I needed to do in the hospital and that God was calling me to something different. No idea what that looked like. And so I got a phone call from a guy named Pastor John. And he said, I've heard about you. And I said, oh, that's interesting. <laughs> anyway, we started meeting um, about once a week to start the discernment process. And um, here I am today. I certainly did not begin those sessions with the idea that I would be working have an opportunity to work here at the church. Um, but as it was, that door kind of opened about six months later. And um, then I started the discernment process for licensed local pastor. And I'm still discerning today, trying to identify where God is calling. It's a lifelong process. What I will say is that everyone is in ministry. And so when you ask the question, pastor, about being called, I kind of had to go back because I feel like most of my adult life I've been in ministry just in different ways. Thank you. Uh, when, I went to sem when I went to seminary, over half the people were second career folk. And a lot of people were in their 60s. That 
I want I want to be in ministry, and this is this is this is my encore occupation. Um, and so it's it's it, it could be could be for anybody, it could be for anybody, if you feel so called. I was the youngest pastor uh, ordained in Nebraska, at age twenty four. I got I got through I was in high school I graduated at 17 went through college graduated in four seminary graduated in three uh, my parents kicked me out of the house as quickly as they could uh, ordained at 24 youngest pastor ever ordained in Nebraska for the Methodist Church and then for the next 10 years I was the youngest pastor in the Methodist Church in Nebraska <laughs> I got to be 34 before someone else younger than me got in there and they were like 29. Uh, I, f- I felt like I got on the, on the end of a pyramid scheme. Like, ooh, that's not good. Uh, but God will call, and 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 the people will be there. Uh, I kn- I know some Methodist churches in our area who are looking for local pastors. So uh, every now and then, I just like to pitch. Do you feel called? Uh, for Paul, I have laid the, down the foundation. He founded the church in Corinth, uh, and he set the only foundation it could be on uh, laid on the work of Jesus Christ. It was not. The work of Paul, or on the on the on the gospel of Paul, it's on, it's on the gospel of Christ. And uh, we pastors, uh, or whatever wherever you serve in ministry, it, it's a good reminder. It's not it's not about you. It's about Christ. For those in children's ministry, thank you. But there'll be someone after you, and they'll carry on that work. For those of you in adult ministry, there'll be someone after you, and they'll carry on that work. For those of you in the pulpit, it's not about you. It's about Christ. Um, my second church that I, that I ever served, uh, I spent three years there. I told this story at a uh, staff meeting this morning, which is why it's top of mind. Uh, served three years there. And, um, and then I left to go start a new church in another city. Uh, but that November, there was, a, there was a thing at a camp that I went to, and we were over, over a Sunday. And the camp was like right next to the church where I had previously served. So I thought, you know what? I'm going to be that horrible pastor. I'm going to stop in and just worship with them. I had just left there four months back. And I went to church, and I was sitting in the back. And at the meet and greet time, the lady, lady turned around who was right in front of me, who joined the church a year before uh, when I was there, uh, says, you look familiar. Like, oh, I was pastor here. She goes, you were? Like, oh, oh, I know. Oh. But it also like cut me down a little bit. Like, it's not about you. It's not about you. It's about Christ. Just let it go. Let it go. Um, and she was still there. So that was good. That was good. That was good. Uh, gold, silver, precious stones. Uh, there's 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 three things that uh, that are good here, and three things that might not be the best for building a temple: gold, silver, costly stones. Good. Wood, hay, straw. So when it when it all burns, which of those which of those three three things will stick around? Gold will stick around. The silver will stick around. Stones will stick around. I'll huff and I puff and I blow your house down. Uh, uh, yeah, you have to build it on, on, on things that have staying power. Build it on Christ. If you build it on yourself, it, it's not going to last. Um, the builder could, could uh, still be saved, but like they're escaping, escaping through the flames. In the middle of that chapter, verse, I think it's 13, it says, because the day 
will bring it to light, which is capitalized. So is that judgment day? That would be in Paul's, Paul's thinking. When Christ comes back, in all of Paul's letters, uh, one of the ways that we tell that it's Paul, besides, you know, saying, I, Paul, uh, he, he's got several motifs and themes throughout all of his books, and one of the big ones is Christ is coming back. Christ is coming back. Christ is coming back. On the day of judgment, on the day of reckoning, on, on that day. Uh, yeah, the capital D is the, the telltale sign there. And we find out later that Christ did not come back, uh, or at least as we know, and uh, we're still living this 2,000 years later. We're still living the life of, 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 the, of the church. If Christ comes back, great. If he doesn't come back, great. My faith is still the same. It's still on the rock. Yep. You mentioned that you were the youngest Methodist pastor. I watch a lot of television, <laughs> and uh, I've seen young children age of 10 was, I think, the youngest that I've heard that has professed to be a Baptist pastor. How do they get to become, are they ordained? Do they, how do they become pastor or are they self-proclaimed? Are, are you like, you're talking about the kid? Yes. Like the 10-year-old kid? Each, each church is different, how they, how they figure out who gets to be a pastor. Um, we, we have quite the system, at least for us, where we have to come out of the local church uh, and then certain educational requirements go with that before you get to lead a congregation. Um, how does a 10-year-old get to become a pastor? Uh, I don't know. God can do what God's going to do, and God's going to call who God's going to call. My wife, I don't know if you guys ever did this. I never did it because maybe I, I went, we went to church halftime. We went to church when we liked the pastor, and we went, didn't go to church when we didn't like the pastor, which is not the right way to do it. But that was uh, our small town, and that's what we had. Uh, but my wife grew up Catholic, so she was in church every single Sunday. And she will tell you that when she was seven, she would line her up her dolls, and she would serve them communion, and she she played church. Uh, did any anyone ever play church all the time? All the, all the, oh. All right, 16 to the end. Let's read 16 to the end. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person. For God's temple is sacred and you together are that temple. Do not deceive yourselves. If any of you think you are wise by the standards of this age, you should become fools so that you may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolish in God's sight. As it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows that the thoughts of the wise are futile. So then, no more boasting about human leaders. All things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or the present or the future, all are yours. And you are of Christ and Christ is of God. Blasphemy! Some would say Paul is writing. You are God's temple. Think about the time and age. The most important thing in the Jewish life, temple. 
Jerusalem. Everything happens there. And Paul is saying something different. To the Greeks, blasphemy. Temple. We have temples set up. We got, we got tons of temples here in Corinth. And Paul is changing it. You are the temple. There's other places where Paul calls each individual, you, you, yourself, are the temple. In this case, he's calling them the church, the temple. This is one of Paul's first letters written, and some think that the, uh, uh, the line of thought is, church, you are the temple. Eventually, it gets to each individual. You are the, you know, the spirit is within you. You are a temple. But right now, it's kind of a collective church. You are the temple. And the Jews and the Greeks of the day and age were like, uh-uh. You can't put a temple like in people, in a community. But that's where the Spirit of God is. The Spirit of God dwells in their midst, not in a hall of stone, not in a sanctuary over here when it's empty. Now, we believe God's everywhere. So God, yes, is in the sanctuary. But if there's nobody in there where two or three are gathered, that's where Christ is. There is more Christ in here right now than in our sanctuary. If anyone defiles the temple of God, if you defile the church, God, God will destroy you. Uh, God's temple, his church, is holy. And it matters to God how we treat God's temple. And it matters to God how we treat each other. Because each other is the temple. Uh, if, he gets a little sarcastic here. If any among, among you seems to be wise, and of course the Corinthians considered themselves wise in this age, uh, that was one of their problems, their love of worldly wisdom, that's time to become a fool. What are the things that God considers righteous? The first shall be last, the last shall be first, turn the other cheek, love your enemies, that kind of thing. Yeah, uh, foolish. It's foolish. And yet that's what we're called to do. We're supposed to love the unlovable. Let no one, uh, uh, how prone we are to glory in people. We are more excited about being with the influential and famous of the world than with being with God. And we value the gifts and honors of people more than the gifts and honors that God gives. Have you ever met someone famous? Ever meet someone who was, that we'd all know about? I remember having lunch once with a mayor. Not even of this city, but a mayor like uh, in, in another town. And I, I had to tell, I had to tell, I called all my friends. I, I got to have lunch with a mayor. And they're like, so what? <laughs> Just a person. I, I once got to interview the governor for a sermon I did a sermon series once. God help me. I did a sermon series. Why God would be a Republican. Why The next week, why God would be a Democrat. And the third one was, God don't care. <laughs> like what you are, right? It's, uh, um, but I, got to, I called, the, I called the, uh, the governor and said, could I interview you for this sermon? And he goes, as long as, you know, you get to that third one where, you know, yeah. Uh, we'll do them. And, uh, uh, he called. He was in a chopper. He called me in a, from a chopper. Uh, he was going to go check out some flood waters that was happening somewhere else. Um, 
but someone else came in. I'm like, Shh, I'm on phone with the governor. And, and they said, you're name dropping. I don't care who you're on the phone with. Like, but that's, that's not what makes you important. Important enough for, I guess, for me to tell the story now, I guess, where it's still kind of somewhere in my head. There's, there are celebrities and famous people in the world. In heaven and in God's eyes, God has your picture, your poster on his wall. You are just as important, and there's a place in heaven for you. Thanks be to God. <laughs>